Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They are here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! It normally. High fly ball, deep left field. Oh, 27. Does it again. For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field. And it's gone. He went to Jared. Way This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Season is right around the corner, and I'm talking less than a week by the time you're hearing this. So, of course, it is a great time to bring on past guests, fun guests, and guys that I really enjoy talking to all the time about Angels baseball, and honestly, just baseball in general. That is the Super Halo Bros, Mike and John. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having us back. And John, how are you? Uh, I'm in good company tonight. There you go. And then, of course, we couldn't have this roundtable, if you will, without Andrew from Angels Top Plays on Instagram. How are you doing, Andrew? What is going on, my friends? I am good. Excited to be on. Excited for the season to start here in a few days. Yeah, it's, it's the, the excitement, I think, is at an all-time high. I think it is like every spring training, though, just because like you're always like, yeah, this is the year. But from what we've seen with the Angels through spring training, granted, it's spring training. But I do think excitement is... Uh, like at an all-time high for for the first time this high in a while, like that I can remember. Come on, you can say this is the year, right? You can <laughs> I don't, right don't want to jinx it, but this is the year. I'll, I'll this jinx it. The this is the year. <laughs> <laughs> All those past spring trainings, we were we were foolish. This this, this is, is this is the one. This, this year's is different. It. <laughs> so what we're doing on this podcast is going to be really cool. So you're listening to this podcast. So on Wednesday, you're going to want to go to Super Halo Bros podcast and get the second half of our conversation in this first podcast we're going to break down the positions and how kind of how it rates with the other positions in the al west and then we're going to go over to super halo bros and we're going to give our predictions we're talking under overs we're talking about who wins the division who are the wild cards so if you haven't followed the super halo bros on the on their social media or even on their podcast, make sure you do that right now because you're definitely not going to want to miss the second half of our conversation coming out Wednesday. So make sure you do that now. You can do both. You can listen to it, get on your phone, and follow. So make sure you guys do that. And just in case they don't know 
what your uh, social media handles are, John, go ahead and give give them to him. Yeah, on Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at Super Halo Bros. Nice and easy there for you. And uh, yeah, we're pretty active on both platforms, so we'd love it if you guys joined us over there. And if you uh, need links to the podcast, those are there for you as well. And then, Andrew, go ahead and tell them how uh, they can get your content at Angel's Top Plays. Yeah, at Angel's Top Plays on Instagram and then at Plays Angels on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is kind of all the highlights and news. And then Twitter, I always tell people, is my off-the-cuff, candid thoughts and just kind of raw what first comes to mind when I'm feeling emotional. (laughs) So that's going to be a great follow once the season starts and you get like the end game kind (laughs) of like, what was he thinking? Or, wow, he played that great or just whatever. That's, That's the place to be while you're in the game. So let's start off with the first position. Um, I'm going to start off with Outfield because there was some news that came out this last weekend. And for the longest time, we figured Justin Upton was going to be in the mix somewhere in that outfield, whether it was going to be platooning with Marsh or even, you know, for a little while, they're experimenting with that first base. But he got DFA'd on Saturday. So I'm going to start off with you, Mike. When you saw the news that he got DFA'd, what was your kind of your first initial thought? What a great freaking move. That was my first initial <laughs> thought. I was so glad that they DFA'd him, and I was ready for them to believe in those young guys. And so I thought it was a great move. And I, and John can affirm, I texted him and said, I love this move. So I was glad that it happened. I, I think he's a great guy, but I think this is the best move for our team. Mike's cutthroat, man. It doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> he shared his true feelings with me there. What about you, Mike? What was your first initial thought when you heard the news about uh, the DFA? Yeah, I mean, if it was a toss-up between like a Taylor Ward, or and I know that there was talk that Marsh was on the fringes of, of minor league and making the team. And, and in my mind, there's no doubt that Marsh makes this team. And so the fact that they made room essentially to have both of those guys, Ward and Marsh. I'm like, yeah, like if you're going to get value out of somebody, make sure it's the the young guy who's going to contribute to your club for the next few years, not the guy who's in the last year of his contract and is rather streaky at times. Look, I know we love Justin Upton's hot bat, and I know that he had that over spring training and, and it got people hopeful, but at the same time, you, you, we all know it here that he'll eventually hit that cold streak, and we didn't want him to take that into the season, right? And so, I think if you're going to roll the dice, you got to do it with the youngsters. And I'm so glad we finally have our outfield of Trout, Marsh, and Adele. What about you, Andrew? How did you feel about the the news of the Upton DFA? Yeah, certainly shocking, but. What this does for me, and I think a lot of fans are realizing this, is for the first time in a while, it feels like the Angels have a very clear direction how the organization is trying to run. Um, very young player focus at this point. Last year, they did kind of the, a summer thing, um, dropping Albert Pujols, letting Walsh take the lead there. And then this year, dropping Justin Upson so that they can let um, they can let Marsh, Adele, and Ward really take over that outfield. It feels like the Angels are ready to let these young guys start to create the identity of the team, and that's the direction they're really committing to. There's no more ball and chain dragging us down and holding us back. It's a lot of push forward with what we have now, and I'm super excited to see it. And Walsh hit a home run last night. Uh, Marsh has hit a home run tonight against the Dodgers, and so, so far it's looking pretty nice. Yeah, I, I'm definitely 
happy or you know i kind of expect truthfully i expected it to happen i didn't think it was going to happen as soon as it did at the beginning of or at the end of spring training i honestly thought and i've said it on past podcasts i thought Mm -hmm. they're going to give him like a month two months kind of like what they did with albert yeah we'll give you some at bats and just see if you Mm -hmm. still have at least a little spark in you uh but they didn't and (laughs) kind of like what john said about mike it was it was very cutthroat it was very like you're on your way to Anaheim. Oh, you're in Anaheim. Oh, by the way, we DFA'd you. And, uh, I, you know, I'm sure he, I think he has a house back in Arizona. So <laughs> drive back to Arizona. It's, it was kind of like a, uh, you know, I'm a college football fan, but it's like that one time where they, they SC fired Lane Kiffin on the tarmac of, uh, of the, of the airport. It's like, thanks for the ride. Yes. Or yes. we're going to go back. You just stay here and, you know, you guys can figure it out after that. So, but yeah, it was also a great freaking move. I yeah. say that <laughs> well, and, and, we got so much criticism over the way the Angels handled right. releasing Pujols a month in, yeah. and the same people who complained about that are now complaining. You didn't give him a shot. Release him now, and you didn't give him a shot. Yep. Exactly, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, do you want it now or do you want it a month in? Because that's what spring training is for—to be able to identify, hey, is this guy going to contribute to our team in a positive way? And they honestly, they gave him all of spring training to show what he could do. And again, he had a hot bat, but. The other guys, the youngsters, they also had a great spring. And right. I think that is where the decision came down, too. And Andrew makes a good point where he talks about how like this feels like the organization has a vision and a direction and what they're going to be doing and what their expectation is. And they're not just going to wait and see. They're actually going mm-hmm. to take steps to say, hey, this is what we want for our team. This is who we want for our team. And so that's why I really liked this move. Yeah, you get tied to players, and, and as Mike Trout said, it's it's a bummer, but when it comes to who we are and who we're becoming, I, I love it because it feels like Perry is in control of what we're doing, and he's making the decisions that are necessary. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a youth movement, and I think this is the first kind of like youth movement that I can remember, because it's like it always seems like they try to get like the the older player, established player, to put around Trout that never worked out. But now it's like mm-hmm. we got Walsh, who's fairly young. We got you know obviously Adele and Marsh and Fletcher's young. You know obviously Rendon's not super old, but he's up there. But but it seems like there's a good mix of youth and 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 veterans there. Where before it was like oh veteran, 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 over the hill veteran, and then like a a young guy. You know so now it seems like there's a good mix. So now that kind of obviously it it leaves the not leaves but it it clarifies the outfield position for the angels you talked about it with joe adele brandon marsh mike trout and it looks like taylor ward is going to be that fourth outfielder for the angels going into the season so andrew when i say those four names what are your kind of initial thoughts of the outfield position for the angels yeah i think overall defense should look better than it has in the last few years justin upton I mean, he really needed a guy that wasn't on our team for his defense. Um, you put both Brandon Marsh and I think Joe Adeller can be the two guys who really hammer down those corners. And um, Taylor Ward's going to be the one that kind of more so platoons, maybe more so with Walsh. I think I think Adele's become more of a staple of that lineup. Um, but I'm really comfortable with the defense, the, how much defense is going to actually improve in the outfield um, and possibly take a little pressure off of Trout trying to patrol that whole center field. So, John, how do you feel about the outfield? I mean, we've been waiting for this forever, right? And it's it's so exciting <laughs> to see that uh, uh, Trout's going to you know lead these young guys. And something you said, Andrew, uh, 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 something you said, Daniel, was it's always kind of been the veterans around Trout. Well, now it's Trout the veteran around the young With guys, kids. right? And he's <laughs> he's leading the way. And if if he can stay healthy, I would love to see yeah. him 
really just have a great season and be the leader that we all know that he can be. I'm interested to see. I know uh, at the game against the Dodgers on Tuesday night, they had uh, Joe Adele playing left. I've felt like he would make a better right fielder and and Marsh might make make a better left fielder. And maybe they're just kind of giving these guys reps to see how they can perform in the different corners. But for me, if I had to choose, I would put Adele in left, Trout in center, and, uh, and or I'm sorry. <laughs> but for me, if I had to choose, I would put Marsh in left, Trout in center, and Adele in right. But again, it, I, I love seeing Taylor Ward step up this spring. I think that perhaps he's finally turned a corner. We saw a little bit of that at the beginning of last year when he kind of had to step in and and contribute to the team due to injury. And so I just think that it's all systems go with this young outfield. I love it. And how do you feel about that, Mike? You know, this, this uh, group of guys remind me of the 2002 team with Salmon, Erstad, and Garrett Anderson in the outfield. And we were confident in each of those players. And then the fourth outfielder was Orlando Palmero, who could come in and I think he hit 300 that year. Didn't have much pop in his bat, but he had a quality bat and filled in nicely for those guys. And so there's some excitement in my heart for each of these guys because each of their positions are going to be strong. They bring a lot of speed. They bring a lot of energy. And to John's point, I, I love that Trout gets to be the leader. He gets to be the the king out there. He gets to be <laughs> the one that's developing them and, and showing them the ropes, right? And there was a tweet the other day from an Angel fan that talked about how when when Trout first came up, it was, you know, Tory Hunter out there and and he was he was the young guy and Tory was showing him the ropes and now the role has completely reversed and I love that it's Trout giving them an example of what it's like to be a major league ball player cuz he's humble and he loves to play and so there's an excitement in my heart cuz it reminds me of some of our really <laughs> great teams and so I, I look forward to seeing what they can do together. He's definitely, I guess you can say, on so many levels he's compared to Tim Salmon, but I guess now you can kind of say he's Kingfish 2.0 yes. out there with, <laughs> with, with, with the kids uh, to his left and to his right. So another thing I want to talk about with the outfield is out of the AL West, what outfield is, you know, com- not compare. well, I guess you could say comparable, but what's another outfield out- that's out there that you – are interested to see play or, or, or is, you know, if Angels aren't number one outfield in the division, what, in your opinion, is the number one outfield in, in your opinion? And I'll go to John first. What do you think? I think you got to look at the the Mariners outfield in terms of who's, who's going to be top tier competition. Yeah. They have so many options there. Mm-hmm. I think Kyle Lewis is going to be back this season. I'm not even sure if, if Jared Kellenick's going to factor right. into the team at the beginning of the season because they have so many more uh options there but i think you've got they made those trades with the with the reds and and bringing in jesse winker and everything um you've got mitch hanniger who can play the outfield and might even spend time at dh but man if if there's competition for a strong outfield it's probably going to come from those mariners and you agree with that andrew yeah, that was what I was going to say exactly. I'm excited to kind of see how the Mariners do shape up. I think they're somewhat being underrated in a lot of the projections because of those guys are so young and they're hard to predict. But there's a ton of talent on that team, and that outfield um, is filled with talent, and they'll, they'll be a fun one to watch. Same for you, Mike? No, I'm actually going to go with the Astros because I think the Astros offensively, I don't know about defensively, but offensively, two of the names that stand out to me are Brantley and Tucker. 
and mm-hmm. Tucker just seems to be the guy that kills us, right? Like we're, yes. we're we know <laughs> that if he gets a runner on, he's going to get a hit. He's going to hit a double. And then Brantley has just been consistent throughout his whole career. And so I think that the Astros actually have a dangerous outfield. And then Jordan Al- uh, Alvarez is, is going to be their DH, but he's he's played a little first base. He's played a little outfield, and so who knows what his role would be there too. So I would actually say that the Astros could be one of the most dangerous outfields in the AL West. I forgot to mention too that the uh, the Mariners on Tuesday announced Julio Rodriguez is going to be making their their team as well, and he's a the number three prospect I think in in MLB or or is it the American League? But he's number three somewhere, and he might be the number three in the outfield. Yeah, for the he's Mariners. up there. So I missed out on him on on fantasy by three minutes. So I, one of, somebody else drafted him like three minutes before I did. <laughs> 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 yeah, and the Astros, is, it's kind of like the, 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 the Mariners are the young kids. What can they do? And then you have the mm-hmm. Astros. Well, these guys have done it, so we expect them to do it too. It's like the, Ast- the, the Mariners' ceiling, it seems like higher than the Astros, but the Astros have already shown that they have a, a good outfield as far as offensive production-wise. So before we move on to the next um, position out there, one-word answer real quick, and I'll start with you, Andrew. Does Mike Trout finish the season in center field? Whoa, you're going to start with me on that one? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I had to pick someone does. out of it. <laughs> I think he finishes the season at center field. He's still playing a leadership role on that team, and I think he's going to have several conversations possibly throughout the year with Joe Madden, and Joe Madden's going to let him play where he wants. Um, and I think he wants center field. Unless his, his defensive skills and skills really regress, which I don't foresee for Mike Trout this year, um, I think he hangs out out there. What about you, John? Yeah. Yeah, he'll stay in center field. I agree with Andrew. Mike? Pretend this is like a text where you are just texting really quick and all the words are rambling together, all right? (laughs) The answer is yes, if the Angels are in contention. If they're not, then I think that they're going to move him off to the side. But if the Angels are in playoff contention and he's having a great year, the answer is yes. That's like one of those things where the red line comes underneath it and says, hey, you might want to check your spelling on this one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That never happens to me. (laughs) No, never. (laughs) So let's go. Now let's move into the infield. Uh, Obviously, Walsh and uh, Rendon are mainstays at the corners. That's kind of a a given. Fletcher coming into the spring training was he was going to be part of that infield, but we didn't know exactly where first base, second, or I'm sorry, second base shortstop. He was going to, you know, was he going to play both? Was he going to play one? Well, at least to start the season, he is going to be the angels shortstop. And it looks like Matt Duffy is going to get the first opportunity to play second base alongside of him. But you always, you also have uh, what sounds like Jack Mayfield is going to make the team out of camp. And you're also going to have uh, Tyler Wade also make, it out of camp now there's a question about as we record this if stefanik is going to make it he's not on the 40-man roster so you're gonna to have to make a move with that or um rojas it's, it's kind of down between those two guys so i'm not sure about those two guys as we record but you know i'm sure as uh the off day comes on wednesday we'll get a little more clarification on that but first i want to start with john um fletcher playing shortstop duffy playing second base did you like that or was there another different combination you wanted to see I was expecting Tyler Wade to get more reps at short and Fletcher staying at second. But look, I I think that we've yet to see what Fletcher can do at shortstop. He's an amazing second baseman. And I think more than that, he's just an amazing infielder. He can play. We've seen him play third in the past. We've seen him play a little bit of short in the past. 
Uh, I think in the in the shortened season and the sixty game season, he played some some he had some reps there. So I, I just think that he's that guy who can do anything, honestly. And I know that it's not ideal because he's a great second baseman, so you'd want to keep him there. And I know it's not ideal that we didn't get a a lock for shortstop. However, I think that he's going to pull it off really well. I'm excited for Matt Duffy at second. I think that he's going to be a sneaky good bat, but I also think that he's going to be a very good, capable second baseman. And so to see those two side-by-side is really great. I've liked what I've seen out of uh, the combo of of Tyler Wade and and Fletcher up the middle in spring training. And I got a soft spot for Jack Makefield. I, I think that that guy really stepped up last year, especially the way his season started. And even though we were not in contention... The guy, you know, put up 10 home runs after the All-Star break and was just a gamer, and he just really cared about how he produced on the field. And also, I mean, he's he's no Anthony Rendon, but he was pretty capable over at third base, and I think that he's kind of one of the only guys who could probably handle uh, the shortstop role effectively if something happened to Fletcher. So I like who they have up the middle. Um, you mentioned Jose Rojas and Mike got a grin on his face because for some reason you guys I just can't, I don't know if it was the hype coming out of spring training last year it was like hey this guy's gonna be pretty good and then you know Madden put him in right field and he had a noodle arm out there and I just I know he's got a good bat every now and then but he's just there's always one guy on the team that you're just like oh this guy again he's got for me he's got go away heat like they say in wrestling like it's not they're not booing because you're a good bad guy they're booing because they want you to go away <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, Jose Rojas has go-away heat. But that's that's a personal vendetta. I can't speak professionally as a podcaster about him uh, objectively. So. <laughs> yeah, and it, it kind of feels like that experiment about putting him out in you know left field or whatever is kind of gone now. Yeah, so, I hope so I guess there's there's that you know um, I guess mm. in a pinch if you know guy went down with injury or right. something like that I guess you could. But as far as him getting starting out in the outfield it seems like that is a thing of the past i think exactly like you said probably a good thing yeah i hope so (laughs) (laughs) so mike what was your thought of this combination again fletcher at shortstop and duffy at second i love having duffy at second and i i believe he'll be the starter for a couple of reasons the i was leaning more towards because of the contract they signed him to but then when they dfa'd upton and they owe him 28 million i was like Mm -hmm. well maybe they're not too concerned about the resource (laughs) side of it but I think that he has proven to actually be an offensive threat. And he's not going to need to be an offensive threat because they have a great lineup. But I think that he's going to add to that lineup. The other day in spring training when he hit the home run, Like it was, it was a surprise. And you can see that there's a little pop in his bat. I think more pop than Tyler Wade has proven. I think Wade will be a great backup for him. And Wade can be a pinch runner. Think Sean Figgins circa 2002, right? Where he could come into a game late in the game and pinch run. And so I think that that's going to be the role that he'll play. And you'll probably see him maybe twice a week, but I like Duffy and I've been a fan of Duffy for a long time. So it'll be, it'll be good to have him at second base. He seems to be pretty solid defensively as well. And Angie, what about you? What was your ideal combination coming into spring break or spring training? And what, how do you feel about what actually is going to happen? Yeah, I was totally comfortable moving Fletch to shortstop. I think he's like a naturally gifted defender. He'll take over that spot just fine. And we want our strongest defender there. And he's honestly, next to Rendon, the strongest defender in the field. Um, I woke up earlier this week and I had a feeling, I've been doing this thing on Twitter where I tweet out just my morning thoughts related to Angels baseball. And so I woke up this week and I was like, you know what? 
Wade and Duffy platoon, it's going to work. It's going to work. I tweeted that out. People agreed. So that's how I feel about that. I think it's going to work. I agree with Duffy really taking the lead there in that position. Um, but I think without a doubt, Tyler Wade is going to be a pretty um, important part of this team, especially when it comes to running on the base paths. You've already seen in spring training, they're being pretty aggressive when it comes to running on the base paths. Um, and then, like you said, corners are on lock. I am curious to see if there is somewhat of a platoon situation with Jared Walsh against left-handed batters. They're clearly trying that out with Justin Upton earlier in the offseason, earlier in spring training. Um, so I think that could actually be a position that might be in flux if Walsh doesn't tend to figure it out um, against those left-handed pitchers. Yeah, it's it's kind of, uh, as Tuesday game kind of came up, Urias was on the mound for the Dodgers. And oh, not Tuesday's game, sorry. Uh, Monday's game. I don't even know what day we're recording. That's how bad it is. Um, Monday's game with the Dodgers, uh, Urias is on the mound, and you saw Duffy at yeah. first base. So it looks like, you know, if Walsh does struggle against lefties, you could see you know, Duffy, or you could see Ward there against those tough lefties. But I think they talked about a little bit on Sunday's game that Walsh will probably get most of the lefty at bat. It's when you go against like a Uri, it's like one of those top level lefties where they might think about switching them out. And that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out for the rest of the rest of the year. Um, Fletcher, we mentioned moving the shortstop in different position, you know, I'll ask John, is there any kind of reservation about putting this guy in three different positions in three different years? I don't think so. I think he's just so athletic. And like Andrew said, he's our best defender. Um, and, and I know that Rendon is probably the top third baseman. And But I, I think Fletch, I, I just really think he can do it all. I think, uh, I think that he's he, he, you can rely on him no matter where you put him. And and I think that he has been around enough to where he's he's learned from guys like Andrelton Simmons. And I know that uh, Jose Iglesias was not the best defender, but in terms of of uh, relationship and and leadership, I'm sure that Fletch gleaned a lot a lot from him too. So I think that Fletch is ready to kind of take command of of this infield. I'm excited to see him there. I think he's going to do well. What about you, Mike? Any concern about uh, multiple positions over a couple years? No, I think he's really shown to be kind of a, a, a tool belt for our team. And to be on the uh, third base side of the infield with Rendon there, I think that there's a almost a safety net where if I can't get to this, Rendon's going to get to this. And they both have uh, great, great coverage of the field, and Rendon's got a rocket for an arm. So I think that there might be a sense of like, I, I don't have to get everything. I don't have to be Andrelton Simmons. I don't have to be Derek Jeter. I can be me because I've got this really strong third baseman next to me that is going to pick me up if I can't get to it. And what about you, Andrew? Yeah, I agree with what's been said. I'm I'm really, like we said, David Fletcher is a talented defender. He's a guy that, like you can tell, learns things quickly. Um, not that he honestly has to learn shortstop. He's played there in the past, but I think he's going to fill in that role just, just fine. And it's going to be fun to watch, too, because um... – you saw when he was covering third base, he was a finalist for the gold glove. And then last year, he was a finalist for the gold glove at second base, even though a lot of people think he should have won it. Now let's see if he can kind of do like the triple crown, if you will, finalist uh, for the uh, golden glove uh, at shortstop, which would be an achievement on its own. I've always, I always, I wonder if that's ever happened before where, you know, three years in a row, one guy has been a finalist at three different positions. So something to kind of watch out for. I might have to... Ask someone if they know how to look that, look that stuff up. 
Don't you have a guy? I thought you had so a now, guy. <laughs> I, I, you know, he's he's off today, so I'll, I'll wait till he starts again on Thursday. Nice. <laughs> right. Exactly. He was going to get a text first thing Thursday. Like, you're back on the clock, right? Yep. Okay, cool. I got a question. I was going to say, if you don't have the guy, then you're the guy who has the guy. There you go. Actually, I think Andrew's <laughs> our guy. So, Andrew, if you could figure that out, yeah. that would be really great. No pressure. He, no pressure. I got to be the guy? All right. All right. I'll... I'll talk to you guys in a week. I'm going to zoom out now. Hey, I had a note about Walsh, guys. I was curious because the conversation came up about him versus lefties. And I looked at like his heat maps on fan graphs when, at, on the first pitch. And most lefties are attacking the zone. And I think that if Walsh is a little bit more aggressive, he could see a little bit more success against lefties because I was watching him against the lefty the other day and noticed that, uh, you know, in, in both of his at-bats, he, he was taking that first pitch and he was almost, seemed like he was taking it all the way each time. And so I had to think about it and, and research it. And I think that if, if he's a little bit more aggressive, um, I think that he could have a lot more success against lefties. So Daniel, get that information to Joe Madden if you can through, through the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me. He's on my. He's in. He's in a group chat, of course. Um, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right because when you're facing a, a tough lefty and you struggle against lefties, last thing you want to do is be down, you know, uh, one two or, or, mm-hmm. or o two, and then now you're kind of um, at the mercy. But if you jump on it quick, that's always a good sign. So obviously, there are some big names this year out in Texas in the infield. Texas Rangers, be specific. Obviously, the signing of Simeon and Seager for the Texas Rangers uh, has brought a lot of attention to the Texas Rangers this year, probably more so than years past. But you can't also forget about Bregman and Altuve out in Houston. The one good thing is, though, we don't have to worry about the Mats out in (laughs) Oakland anymore. Those guys are gone. So that's a good thing. Um, I'm really interested to see how the Texas guys work, the the, uh, Simeon and Seager how that's going to work. Those guys have been really good for, you know, for the last handful of years, going back to when Simeon was, I think second was like runner up for the MVP voting when he was in Oakland. So that's going to be something to watch out for. So Andrew, what are, what are some of the infields you're looking out for in the AL West? Yeah, I think the AL West in general has a lot of big names in the infield. You mentioned too, Houston still has their kind of big two between Bregman and Altuve, even Uriel out there, um, Seattle with Fraser, France, Oakland held on to Tony Kemp. I think the only person they held on to right now next to Montas. But <laughs> it was hard for me to really determine where do the Angels fit in this in this AL West infield. So I kind of went and I decided to use projections. I hate projections in baseball quick disclaimer because it's such a hard game to predict i think and projections are often just end up so wrong but it was the only thing i could fall on right now um so i went ahead and i ranked uh infields across the al west according to the projections on uh, their steamer projections and i want you guys to guess where do you think the angels fall uh mike you go first projections and where the angels fall i am gonna say that they're gonna fall probably maybe second or third John, what do you think? I'm going to say third. Yeah, I'm thinking they're going to be somewhere in the middle, so I'm going to say third. It's almost like you guys know exactly what you're talking about. Because it <laughs> Sometimes. <is> third. Sometimes. <laughs> it is third. The number one infield is currently by projection. Again, by projection. The Rangers, who of course have half a billion dollar infield. Astros <laughs> come up, up next with a 14.7 total war. Uh, projected Angels are third at 12. Uh, the Mariners are at 10.8, and then the A's, sad, sad A's, are at 8.7. <laughs> and 
And I, th- and I think obviously the <laughs> names help with, with Seeger and Simeon. Obviously that's going to mm-hmm. rate well on a lot of projections and there's still truthfully with the angels infield, there's still, you know, a qu- couple questions. A, you know, can Rendon have a fully healthy season? Can Walsh hit lefties at a consistent basis is, you know, um, can Fletcher have a bounce back season offensively from 2020 where, you know, he was hitting the ball, getting on base all the time to where last year it seemed like um, he wasn't his normal self at that position. So I can understand where, why they kind of put him there. Cause they just do kind of have some questions here and there on, on the infield as far as, you know, if this happens or can this guy bounce back kind of deal. So John, when you hear those numbers, what'd you think? It makes sense to me. I mean, I, I think that uh, with, with Texas signing Samian and Seeger, I mean, obviously those are huge offensive moves, right? But these guys are more than capable. I know that Seeger has dealt with some injuries, and Semyon, you know, he's not a young gun anymore, but he's also not old either. So I think that they're getting him at the right time. Um, I guess similar to Rendon in that sense, right, where they played their positions very well throughout their career. And Simeon's going to be back at second base, which I think is uh, kind of a natural fit for him with Seager at short. I think that Texas has you know, shown that they're willing to invest in their team. I think that what's kind of in flux for them is the pitching. I don't think they're quite there yet. Now, they did get Jack Leiter as the number one overall pick, and I think that that's going to be obviously the, the move for them down the road. But when I think about uh, the infield, I think that's obviously a step in the right direction. And those guys are going to be tough to uh, get outs against. But at the same time, I, I think that the Rangers still have uh, some some steps to take. And I think they'll be tough again in, in the next few years. But I just don't think it's this year that they'll be super difficult. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Mike? How do you feel about the infield and compared to other teams in the division? I'm intrigued just that they signed these two major stars who are hugely popular and have great offensive numbers. I'm I'm wondering about the Alex Rodriguez effect, right? Like Alex came there and was phenomenal. He had a little help, but he was <laughs> phenomenal, right? And and but what I what I loved about it was his numbers were fun. It was fun to watch him, but the team was terrible. And so I'm interested to see how this team will shape up outside of these two guys. And they have Nate Lowe or Nathaniel Lowe or whatever he's going by whatever now. His mom calls and, him. and yeah, whatever whenever he's in trouble, right? right. And so, I mean, he, he's a pretty he's a first baseman, so he's, you know, he's pretty strong as well. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I could see like really really positive offensive numbers, but the team finishing with, you know, 65 to 70 wins, and obviously that's not a successful year. So, I'm intrigued to see mm-hmm. what would happen as you gave these big contracts out and if it's actually going to be beneficial for your team, because history would say trends would say, and we've experienced that, that it's actually not going to be too beneficial to your team. Yeah. And as angel fans all know, you need more than just two guys to show up to uh, <laughs> be a contender. But you know, at least I guess if you're a, a baseball fan, you like seeing some teams that aren't necessarily competitive, at least get involved in free agency and at least mm-hmm. try to, you know, we mentioned the A's so many times so, so far and not in a great light, but at least right now we can say that um, the, uh, the Rangers are trying. And I think that's, that's pretty cool when you consider baseball just in general. Let me talk about our next sponsor, 
ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. Let me talk about Athletic Greens real quick. I take Athletic Greens. It is something that I take every morning. And guess what? It's easy to drink, which for me, that's number one. It's not like all your other vitamin powders that have that real earthy taste to it. This is very easy to drink, which makes it easy for me to take every day. All it takes is a single scoop in water every day, cold water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a full year supply for free with your first purchase. That's immune supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take your ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So now moving on to the catching position. Um, Max Sassy obviously slam dunk with a new extension and everything that happened in spring training. Going to be the starter for the Angels. And Kurt Suzuki back as the uh, primary <laughs> backup right now. Um, you know, obviously Max, I think, can have the capability of having an all-star type year, especially if, if you take into account his pitch calling, his pitch framing, the defensive part of his game. That can definitely help him out offensively. You know, I'm not expecting huge numbers, but if he stays healthy, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him to hit, you know, obviously – uh, somewhere in the teens as far as home runs, you know, 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there. I think that would be a great help. And since he's at the bottom of the lineup, you know, in the 80s as far as, you know, RBIs would have a great, would be a great year for him. Kurt, you know, I guess they said he's a great clubhouse guy. And if you're going to get rid of one clubhouse guy in Upton, I guess you kind of have to keep at least one clubhouse guy around for that reason. But um, we'll see how that goes. We'll see if he's the same Kurt as last year or maybe he took the uh you know what people were saying and he he heard it and he can <laughs> improve himself but when you saw john because i know kurt is your favorite player um when you saw that was the kind of tandem they were going with uh with for the angels this season at the catching position what did you think look i was banking on the fact that matt thice was gonna be a backup i thought so too and i think that he probably needs another year in triple a and that's probably the direction they will go. Unless something happens with Kurt through the season, I think that Thais will stay down there. But with Kurt, I, I, I mentioned this on uh, our podcast last week. I saw him taking some pitch framing exercises, and mm-hmm. there was video of that. And I thought, hey, you know what? Maybe Proof. he understands that there's a hole in his defensive game. And if he's taking those exercises, I mean, that's just so crucial, right? Because we saw him just have terrible framing last last season and it cost our pitchers a lot of of pitches it cost them balls versus strikes and yada 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 and so the fact that he's out there and there's video proof of it 
that he's out there <laughs> working and grinding and trying to get his frame game down. Trademark, frame game. Uh, <laughs> Put on a shirt. <laughs> I think that, uh, to me, that just shows that he's a professional and he understands, hey, last year I didn't have a lot of success on the defensive side. And then, for some reason, Kurt just has, like, a sneaky pop to his bat. Like, yes. I mean, a lot of his hits are, are fly balls and, and fly outs, but every now and then it's just like, oh, he just tucked that one into the corner. So sometimes he just has he, – he'll surprise you offensively. Um, but, again, I think the, the crucial matter here is his defense, and I, I was excited to see him um, get those reps in and, and work on that frame. <laughs> Trademark. Trademark pending. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about the, the two catchers that the Angels are taking into the season? Well, I love Max Stassi, and I'm glad that he is uh, going to be with us for a while. I, I think the move uh, with Suzuki was at first frustrating, but what's what's the thing that is consistent with like old guys? And that is consistency, right? Like they <laughs> they have this regular routine. They get up and have their cup of coffee, and they get the newspaper because they're old and they don't use Google or their <laughs> phone, right? And so I think with with Kurt, him being with us for a second year and already having some innings behind the plate catching Sandoval and Suarez and some right. of those guys. I'm going to think positive here and say that I think he's going to have a really good year for Kurt Suzuki. Maybe not a good right. year for a backup catcher that we would hope for, but I think he's going to have a good year for Kurt Suzuki. But I also think that it says something about Matt Theis that he is not going to be the backup. And I feel like Matt Theis is really his time frame, his window of opportunity is closing. And so I'm I'm wondering, and I'll even say it out loud, I, I think that we'll see Thais on the team, but eventually he'll be one of those guys that gets designated for assignment and will bounce around a little bit because if he can't be the backup catcher over Kurt Suzuki, I personally would kind of take that as a hit and go, what am I not doing that he can do? And if it's just a clubhouse thing, then I guess you wouldn't have to worry about it too much. But even that, you can step up your game and be an example and be a leader and do some of those things that are necessary in the clubhouse. But I think that this is a bad sign for someone like Thice because you're you're signing this guy who wasn't fantastic for us last year. You're bringing him back and you paid him more money to bring him back. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I, I would not be hopeful if I was Thice. But I'm hopeful for Suzuki because there is some familiarity now and perhaps this becomes a year where he's comfortable and he knows the pitching staff better than he knew the pitching staff last year. I'm going to jump in because I need to argue with my brother here for a minute. They signed. They, Bring it on. <laughs> they we'll signed stand Matt Thice as a catcher, right? They got him. They drafted him as a catcher. And then they moved him to first base. And then they moved him to third base. And then they decided, oh, we want you to catch again. So I, I, I disagree with the fact that something's wrong with him and it's more of a operational thing of – we got to get him acclimated to catching again because we've we've moved this guy around so much like he he deserves the time behind the dish to get good at that position again so that's what i think so maybe this is the year that they're going to give him some time I to do so. that they're i think that's give why him some he, time to work it out i think that's why he didn't get the the backup role this season so i guess there's some wisdom <laughs> under that long hair of yours <laughs> <laughs> so and that's going to be interesting too you talk about that so you know, Romine is actually still with the team right now yeah. to kind of be yeah. that third catcher for the last spring training games. So when they go down to, the, to Salt Lake, I'm interested to see who's going to get the most 
catching reps that's down true. there because I think that's going to say a lot about you know Romine's kind of older kind of you know that veteran type like like Kurt but are they going to give him the majority or do they kind of figure well he knows what he's doing he doesn't need as many you know uh, innings behind the plate maybe he's more of a DH down there and, and you let um, Thice catch while in triple a so that's gonna be something to kind of see going forward in the in the triple a and the minors and then who's gonna be like the, the next guy up if there is an injury to kurt or or matt um so andrew what do you feel about the catching situation yeah i'm big fan of max stassi as already been said super excited that we brought him on for three more years um i think to I had the same reaction to Kurt versus Suzuki signing, where I was just like, what are we doing? I'm still convinced he has some sort of dirt on Artie Moreno to get a raise. I'm not quite sure how he did that. <laughs> but I think to like the signing, you have to stand back and look at them trying to put an entire team together. Um, there is a lot of value when you're getting into October and guys are tired and you got these young guys who are playing in high-pressure games that they've never seen before. There is value in having that kind of veteran presence there. Um I think Suzuki's bat has the upside. He's typically batting around 250 prior to coming to the Angels, so maybe he figures that out. Um, Joe Madden said he played too much last year, which I'm not sure how that works when it was the least he played in his entire career, but maybe <laughs> Joe Madden plays him a little different. But I think looking at the grand team, like grand scheme of, of the entire team, I've come to peace that Kurt Suzuki would beat the Angels for another year, and I'm just going to be hopeful that he improves his gameplay. Yeah, and I think I think John or um, Mike said it as far as you know he's going to be more familiar with the pitching staff. You know, you have a lot of the same names like obviously Thor and Lorenzen are different, but you're going to have Otani, you're going to have Sandoval, you're going to have Suarez, you're going to have you know even Canning or or uh, uh, Detmers and Berea, and then maybe Canning down the road. But he's going to be more familiar with a lot of these guys and see if that helps him with the defensive part of. Of, of the game as far as framing stuff, kind of understanding where it's going to be if he calls for a breaking ball. He knows how much it's going to break because of last year. So that's going to be kind of something interesting to see. But I agree. If, if, if you know, if he's playing as much as last year, if Madden said he played too much last year and he's going to play the same this year, then, you know, obviously something something's up. And, and <laughs> you might need to limit him, um, you know, his uh, time behind the plate and let, let uh, Stassi go out there and earn that new new contract. You know, let him... Let him go out there. He has a little bit of security. Maybe he can use him a little bit more now. You don't have to worry about it. Maybe he doesn't feel so like he can't go out there. He wants to keep himself healthy. But now with a new contract, some some security, maybe he pushes himself a little more, having that kind of in the back of his head, knowing that regardless of what happens, he's he's good for the next three years. So the catching position in the AL West, um, you know, not a not a lot of big names. I guess the the first name that kind of came up to my mind, and I don't know how long how much longer he's going to be there, was Sean Murphy from the A's probably um, a catcher to kind of look mm. out for or a guy in the AL West that can, you know, is really, really good. But like I said, by the time this comes out, you know, on, on Tuesday or on Tuesday, he might not even be with the A's anymore the way, <laughs> the way they're going. But um, Mike, how do you feel about the, the catching position in the AL West? I was actually going to mention Murphy because I mean, who else is on the A's? Like, I think they called <laughs> they called me and John to play. And so um, and we'll sign for whatever they want to pay us, right? We'll fit into that payroll. But it was it was interesting just to – he's like the only name that I can think of that's really, a, a, I guess you could say, a star on that team. And so right. um, it'd be interesting to see what kind of offensive year he has and how he handles that pitching staff. But they're going to need him to be productive. And so I'm intrigued by him on the A's. John, what do you feel about this catching position in the AL West? 
Sean Murphy, I ran the numbers last season, and he was an angel killer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and so no matter, uh, maybe that goes away if he's not on the A's. Right. But as long as he's on the A's, he'll be an angel killer. I'm interested to see how Mitch Garver factors into the Texas Rangers and being their catcher because I know that he was somebody the Twins really relied on to provide some offense. And now that he's in a lineup with, with Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, I'm interested to see his stock and, and if that rises this season because they uh, the, the Rangers made a lot of moves to move some players around. You know, the guys went to Minnesota, and then Kiner Falefa went to the Yankees. <laughs> All over so the there was a lot of movement stuff happening there. But I'm interested to see how Mitch Garver will factor into uh, the, the lineup for the Rangers this season. And what about you, Andrew? Yeah, catcher is definitely such a spotty position. I'm comfortable knowing that I feel like Max Stassi is definitely either the best or the second best, maybe next to Murphy offensively um, in the AL West. It's a comfortable thing to know. I'm going to throw some love towards Martin Maldonado because I still love him when he was on the Angels. I still love watching him play. He's like, still do, they're doing it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he made me fall in love with just the art of catching and catch framing. So. Um, I'm excited to see him come back to Anaheim and just whenever we play the Astros. Opening opening weekend. Before uh, Martin Maldonado, I had no idea what pitch framing was. Yeah, right, <laughs> so right, right, it, right. That really like introduced the concept to me, and then it was great to see Max Stassi kind of continue that trend. So uh, I think Maldonado is a very underappreciated catcher in the league for sure. And you got the Astros with the two former Angels on there, not only with uh, – uh, 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 wow, why, why am I blanking on his name? We were just literally talking about him, blanked on his name. Uh, Maldonado, but also Jason Castro as the backup. Mm-hmm. So right. um, two former Angels coming back opening weekend, uh, and hopefully they don't have a great year. Like you said, Maldonado's a great guy. He was a fan favorite when he was there. You just hope he um, goes in slumps, not only – at the plate, but behind yeah. the plate when yes. uh, yeah. the Angels play him because uh, Andrew kind of mentioned earlier that the, Ange- the Angels seem to be a little more aggressive on the base path, and so uh, if Maldonado's back there, you, you might think twice about trying to take that uh, steal that extra base. Right. I want to see Tyler Wade versus Maldonado. That's Wade season. all day. That's what I want to see. There you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> <laughs> So that was our, that's the position players, if you will. Now, moving to the um, the biggest question, it seems like every year for the Angels, is the pitchers, you know, bullpen, starters, and all that stuff. So let's start out with the starting pitchers. We already know the rotation for the fir- at least the first go-around um, this season. We'll have Otani, obviously, opening day. So much hype with that. So much anticipation with that coming back from his MVP season. But after that, you got Sandoval, Syndergaard, um, I believe it's Suarez, then Lorenzen, and then Detmers as that sixth guy. Um, Andrew, how do you feel about this rotation, and what are some of your hopes with this rotation? Yeah, a part of me is comfortable with it because I think they can at the very worst, and I'm knocking on every piece of wood I can find, be average. (laughs) Fangraphs has them ranked 14th overall in baseball. That's second in the AL West behind the Astros, who are ranked ninth, I believe. Um, But I have big, big concern over depth. One of those guys goes down, and it's bound to happen. It's a long season. It's a demanding position. Someone's going to get hurt. Hopefully, it's just for a short time. But when someone goes down, who are we going to? Probably Jaime Berea. Jansen Junk, 
Griffin Canning if he's back by June, July. Um, and that really concerns me. And I'm still holding out hope that we add someone in the next few days to just bring a little more depth to the starting, pitch, starting pitching position. That's kind of my biggest hold right now on starting pitching. As it is, the six we have, I'm super confident that they can at least be average with lots of upside, and I'm comfortable with that. But it's a depth thing. Yeah, I agree with you completely. The depth thing is going to be an issue. And like you mentioned, the shortened um, spring training doesn't help that. Pitchers already are kind of mm-hmm. um, prone for injury to begin with, but then you throw in a shortened spring training like in the 2020 season, you saw injuries. I mean, you now you're seeing that all across the uh, baseball right now as far as like uh, pitchers getting little tweaks here and there. The Mets are a prime example of it. You thought you had two lockdown guys. Now you're kind of figuring out when those two lockdown guys are going to pitch again. Um, but, John, so how do you feel about the rotation? I am excited about this rotation, and I have been pleased out of what I've seen from Cindergard in spring training. Um, he had that five strong innings against the Dodgers lineup. It wasn't all of their superstars, but it was about 75% of their superstars, right? And just the way that he, uh, you know, worked his pitch mix and worked different sections of the strike zone. I, I feel like he's back. Honestly, I feel like he's back. And if, if mm-hmm. health is a, is a factor, then he's only going to benefit from a six man rotation. We saw it with yes. Shohei last season. And I think Syndergaard is going to have the same benefit from that. I will say though, I think that we will be in a position to be trading for somebody at the deadline. And it might be somebody who's a loner just to get us to where we need to go. But I think that that's where the Angels will be. They'll look at their rotation and say, all right, we need that one last piece. Who's available? Who's willing to trade with us? And who's going to get us to the playoffs? I think that's where we will be by July. No, I agree, too. Like I think, obviously what they have here i don't think this is the rotation that's going to finish the season lorenzen's kind of like one of that question mark we're like well is he going to stay in the rotation is he not okay then who's the next option he's almost kind of there because who do you put in do you put in beret instead of him you're going to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt because he signed with them but yeah the, the, the rotation is going to be a obviously a vital vital key for this team and how far they go so mike how do you feel about this rotation a couple thoughts i think that you're right john i think that there is going to be a trade that they'll make, and that will happen maybe before the trading deadline, uh, maybe even a month before, depending on how healthy these guys stay. Uh, I think the second thing is, I think we're, I think we're discounting Lorenzen. I think that there's we're nervous about it, we're not sure about it. But I can remember when Kelvin Escobar came over, and he was a reliever for a while, and then he kind of a swing man, and then he started, and there was this, eh attitude about Kelvin. And then he ended up being a really <laughs> strong starter for us. And I think Lorenzen's going to be that. I actually think that Lorenzen's going to be the guy when he gets out there, we're going to go, look at this guy, man. He's up to 170 innings. He's had 25 starts and we're going to be really excited about who he is and what he's accomplished by the end of the year. In fact, he might be that bridge in between the, the rock stars at the top of the rotation mm-hmm. and some of the young guys at the bottom of the rotation. In fact, as we come out of the all-star break, as they reset the starting starting rotation, he actually might be maybe number two or number three instead of down towards the lower end of the starting rotation because I think he's going to be, and I'm going to use a word that John used, sneaky good and, and, and really accomplish, <laughs> I think, some really good things this year. But I do see this starting rotation is one that will need to make a move mid-season because you will have, to Andrew's point, you will have these guys needing to maybe miss a start or take a couple of weeks off 
especially these young guys who weren't stretched out in spring training like they would want to be. They do have last year under their belt, which is great. But I do think that they're still learning as they go, and you don't want to you don't want to hurt Sandoval, you don't want to hurt Suarez. You want them to be strong and have a great career. And so I do think that there's going to be a move that's going to be made uh, in a trade, or they they sign somebody that was DFA'd. Yeah, and and, and you know uh, John kind of mentioned it as far as uh, Syndergaard and Madden came out and said, "Oh, there's no pitch limits or pitch you know count or anything inning limits," but almost. Like like John said, the six man rotation kind of does it for you automatically. He's naturally not going to have mm-hmm. even even if he makes and I think the Angels would love this if he makes every single start his numbers called, he's still going to have less innings and less starts than a guy that's in a regular five man rotation. So in a way, True. Um, right. he might not be purposely trying to limit himself, but naturally it's going to happen because of the six man rotation. And if he can stay healthy all the whole year, uh, you know putting him next to Otani, you know, a fully healthy Syndergaard and, and a fully healthy uh, Otani is going to be probably one of the best, uh, you know, two-headed monsters out in baseball for sure. So moving to the position where the Angels made the most, um, I would say, acquisitions and changes this year. $100 million. Yeah, exactly. And that is the <laughs> bullpen. So as we know about it now, and again, yeah. Um, oh, going back real quick to starting pitching. Um, I believe Andrew said it. The Houston Astros is probably the next best or probably the best rotation with, you know, Verlander coming back. And then you have Garcia, Yukiti, um, and, and some of those guys that really helped them to the World Series uh, last year. John, how do you feel about how the Angels rotation stacks up against the um, Astros? Against the Astros, they, those guys just never seem to run out of talent. And even with losing, like, Granky and losing Garrett Cole before that they just they've had these guys kind of step up out of nowhere and they just they just know how to uh, raise up and put out terrific pitching and so I'm I'm interested to see uh, this rotation with Verlander you know it's funny because I mean Verlander's coming back from Tommy John surgery after two years but nobody really seems to question him right it, right. it seems like all of the disdain for us signing Cindergard and relying on somebody who's two years off of Tommy John. I'm like, where's all of that attention for Verlander? So <laughs> And Verlander's like five years older or four years older yeah, than, than Syndergaard. Yeah. And look, Verlander is I mean, he's been a stud through his whole career. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's gonna play a significant part of this rotation. And, but I mean they just have so much talent through the ranks all the time. So if one guy goes down, somebody else steps up. So I think I think the Astros are going to end up with a better rotation at the end of the day. But at the same time, I think that I think that we're going to be competitive with them for sure. What about you, Mike? I you know it's the Astros, so they're going to be our uh, our nemesis this year. And and Verlander, no matter how well we've hit him in the past, he always makes me nervous. And John's <laughs> right; they have a lot of really strong pitchers. the The team I actually think that's going to be a wild card in all of this is the team that has developed strong pitchers that nobody's ever heard of and that's the Oakland A's and so it'll be interesting (laughs) to see who they actually have out there and you watch two or three of these guys are going to be just driving us nuts we're going to lose a game three nothing to Bob Murphy right like it's going to be somebody that we've never even heard of (laughs) we're like who the heck is this guy but he's a 21 year old stud that had a had a so-so year but he is pitching really well 
against us. And so I'm actually more intrigued as to what the A's are going to do with their rotation because they made a lot of really great trades and they got a lot of really good prospects. And that's who Sean Manaya and some of those guys were. And now they traded them away. So that'll be probably my most intriguing team in the AL West. Yeah, I've always said they're, they're going to find some random guy no one's ever heard of him. He's going to be like a legit number two starter by yes. the end of the year. And you're just going to yes, be like, right? we're going to make this guy look like a Cy Young. And then you let the season play out and you realize, well, he actually was pretty good. We just didn't know yeah. it at the time. <laughs> didn't know it at the time. <laughs> Andrew, how do you feel about the starting rotation and, and compared to Houston? Yeah, I certainly, I want to say I've certainly knocked on the Oakland A's a few times in this podcast. I want to apologize to the baseball gods because I really will never sleep. <laughs> On the Oakland A's, please don't strike me with lightning. The Oakland A's are always that team that you just can't sleep on. So I want to make that clear on the air before I get in trouble. Um, the Houston Astros are, like everyone said, they're always good. The Houston Astros are always good. That There's just a, such a pool of talent there. I think we'll be number two against them unless we make some really big trade, really big moves at the deadline. Um, but they're honestly like... I know what to expect out of the out of the Houston Astros. Like I don't necessarily worry about them because I know they're going to be good. I know they're always going to be someone we have to compete compete against. I'm worried about what the Seattle Mariners do and how they develop. Is Robbie Ray like going to be this really strong addition mm. to this team that's going to buy them some wins over the Angels and do some of their younger pitchers that they have coming yes. up um, come and develop and become you know guys who do really well against the Angels? And so that's more so the team that you know keeps me up at night at the moment. Yeah, you kind of talk about their young pitchers, and then obviously the Angels have their own young pitchers with Detmers, Suarez, um, Berea, if he gets into there. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of going to come, it feels like it's going to come down who's younger pitchers, whose young pitchers can kind of develop quickest and, and perform the best between uh, Seattle and, and the Angels for, you know, fighting for the division, fighting for a wild card spot. But it seems like those are going to be like, okay, who develops better, the, the, the mm. Seattle young guys or the Angel young guys? So that's another thing that's really interesting to see play out the rest of the year so now let's move to the bullpen the the big budget bullpen the angels brought um this year into uh into anaheim on thursday so you got jaime berea you got archie bradley obviously you have rossell iglesias signed the extension big uh good job by the angels re-signing him i know sometimes people were kind of worried about him getting away once the uh, he became uh, officially a free agent, but he also bring in Aaron Loop. Mike Myers had a, uh, had a pretty good year last year. Uh, Ryan uh, Tapera, again, another guy you got you brought in. Austin Warren had a really good year last year in his first taste of big league action. There's some still some other couple guys out there that are working to get spots um, in the bullpen as we talk. Again, no final rosters have been announced as we record this. But obviously, huge upgrade from last year's uh, bullpen and the kind of issues they had um, almost all year long, except for Iglesias. It seemed like once you got to Iglesias, it was great. It's just that bridge getting there was the huge, huge issue. Now, Mike, you guys had an episode, Death to the Blowpen. So tell me how confident you feel with this um, with this bullpen and this new revamped bullpen of the Angels. Here's what was so remarkable about that episode. We were talking through each of the guys that the Angels signed, and once we got through it, we called a timeout, and I said, John, did we just talk about the Angels' bullpen with positivity <laughs> All and the way joy through. in our hearts? And, and he said yes. And then we posted on our Instagram page, and it was just a clip of that. And the responses to that clip were, were people who are like, I'm excited about the bullpen too. And so there's this excitement slash, I don't know if I want to, 
talk about it out loud because I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> jinx, Baseball yeah. gods conversation, right. right? Like, and and that's the thing that I'm feeling is wow. This is this is really fun to think about that when we have our starter leave, like say fifth inning, and we're up five to four, we can we can confidently turn off the game, go and get some dinner and come back and believe that it's still going to be five to four, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's guys coming in that have done this before and they've done this really well. We're not getting, and you mentioned it earlier, Daniel, we're not getting the guy who was really great five years ago and right. we're hoping he's really great this year. We're getting guys who are really great and are going to be solid in their role what I like about this bullpen is that like a Mike Myers is going to be able to be himself. He's not going to be asked to be what he's not. So I'm, as you can tell, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm stoked. And I'm excited <laughs> that we have a bullpen that can stretch us. And this is what I think is going to be beneficial for our starting rotation as well. If they don't look too great, we actually have a really great bullpen to cover the, to cover the loss there. Now I don't want to tax them, obviously, but I think that we have that benefit, at least at the beginning part of the season, if the starting pitchers need to work out some of the kinks. Yeah, and that's kind of something I talked about in our last podcast is that all the moves in the bullpens is great. And I think they set themselves up, you know, they have lefties in there, they have righties in there, they have guys that can do both. Um, they set themselves up really well for the upcoming season. That's my only worry, and it kind of goes back to the starting pitching, is that if guys aren't performing well and now you're you know, calling onto the bullpen in the fifth inning, fourth inning, you know, four and two thirds kind of deal. And they have to come in. It's going to work in the beginning because these guys are, are that good. You're just worried about, you know, how the, you know, May and early June um, innings are going to affect them in the back end in September. Um, that's my biggest thing because it can turn, you know, the, the one thing that can turn a great bullpen into an average bullpen is just being overused you can have mm-hmm. all the names exactly. and and everything that you want but if you know come you know late august september if they've been used you know they can turn average really quickly and that's just because uh pitchers aren't able starting pitchers aren't able to go deep enough in two games so john what do you feel about this uh bullpen for the angels i mean i i don't think there's anything that hasn't been said that that needs to be said this this is it's so nice to have confidence in this bullpen and and I, you you said something that struck me, Daniel, and it's the idea that like you don't want to wear these guys out by the time you get to, you know, September and the playoffs and things like that. But one of the conversations around the Angels right now is who's going to be in that bullpen and who's going to be sent back down to the minors. And and to me that says, oh, we have options. We have guys that can fill in as needed and be called up from AAA or Double A and you know serve as a, a one-inning guy or maybe even two innings. But I, I just think it's really interesting that we, we love our bullpen, we love who we have, and there's still a conversation of, oh, who's the last piece of that bullpen? Who's, who's the one guy who gets that last spot? And I think that's a great position to be in. It's a good problem to have. So as we get to, again, those later days in the season and guys are kind of getting worn out and falling off, we have options, and that's exciting to to have because last season I think you you did see a lot of wear and tear on the bullpen. And number one, I think this new bullpen is going to be super efficient. And number two, 
I think there won't be as much wear and tear because we have options from from the minors this season that we're excited about. So, how do you feel about the bullpen, Andrew? Yeah, this is really big for Joe Madden. I think he's a manager that has a quick hook. And last year we still saw it, even though the bullpen was so bad. And that's one of the things that was so frustrating is because these mm-hmm. um, bullpen players are coming in with dudes already on base and just not capable of handling that. So Joe Madden really mm-hmm. now should be able to run at least the pitching side of things, the way he wants to. And I think that should pan out just hopefully with huge success for overall the game flow of the overall flow of the game plan. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see this bullpen late in games, you know, in the seventh inning with, you know, a two run lead and just maybe not all the time because no bullpen's perfect, but the majority of the time kind of uh, you can take a breath. Like like Mike said, you can kind of take a breath and be like, I remember so much last year. I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. Oh, wow. They're going to the bullpen now. You're like, all right, let's buckle up. Let's see where this, this, <laughs> let's see if yeah. the, if this ride's going to be bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, and, and, and honestly, unless it was like some of those bigger names like Iglesias and even uh, Myers at times, you, you know, if it wasn't them two, then you're kind of like, okay, no lead is safe. And it kind of sucked having that feeling because you just never knew what's going to happen but now this year you know i'm excited to see bradley out there i'm excited to see obviously warren out there again for 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 a full year i'm excited to see iglesias and mm-hmm. and showing everyone that you know he's going to be one of the top you know three closers in baseball and and actually have the opportunities now to close more games because the angels are going to be in more games and an opportunity to win more games than than last year so that's going to be a lot of fun to uh to watch this year and again you know it just seems like we go through the positions, all the positions, there, there's so much to be positive about for the first time. And it seems like in a long time, uh, bullpen strength in the AOS. The, the, the first one that kind of sticks out to me, cause they had a great last year was Seattle. Seattle had a great bullpen last year and kind of like what we were talking about with the A's in the starting rotation. Like, Oh, you feel like they're going to find guys. I feel like that's exactly what Seattle did last year. It's like, who are some of these guys that are coming out of their bullpen and, you know, are, you know, they come in in tight situations and they get out of it or they're just, no one can square up a ball at all on these guys. I just feel like that's kind of how they've been for the last, for last year. And that helped them obviously win 90 games last year. So John, who's the bullpen that you are interested in seeing in the AOS this year? Yeah, I think you make a really great point about the Mariners, and I think that's that's the team I got to go with. I mean, they've they've got so many options, and and uh, uh, Paul uh, Paul Seawald is going to be at the end of that bullpen. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, Rodriguez, and I can't remember his first name, but he's another one that uh, comes out of the bullpen, and they just they kind of have like a not necessarily a closer by committee where they're doing you know one one out for all three outs in the ninth, but it's, it's who's got the hot hand, right? Who matches with, up better with the Mariners. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's the kind of ball that Scott surveys likes to play. And I'll be interested to see how that plays out for them again. And I think that the, their bullpen is still going to be scary good. So it's, it's important for us to uh, get, get runs before they get to the bullpen and then hang on to that lead, which is something I think that we can do this season for sure. And what about you, Mike? How do you feel about the the Angels bullpen compared to the other bullpens in the AL West? I'm really confident in our bullpen. The one bullpen that I'm really intrigued with is the Astros because I think that that's going to be the team that we're going to be battling for the uh, AL West. And 
if we can get past the uh, Astros starting pitching and get to a weakened <laughs> bullpen, that would be great, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I get the Mariners' bullpen is strong. They were strong last year, but um, it'll be interesting to see if they actually will be in contention this year, depending on if they can be as consistent as they were last year and as powerful as they were last year. I think the, the Astros' bullpen is the one that in- intrigues me the most. I would love to see how they shape out, shape up, and how they uh, follow up their uh, – their starting rotation. And what about you, Andrew? How do you feel about the AL West and their bullpens? Mariners for me as well. I think their overall pitching scheme could very well mirror what the Angels are doing, where they're relying a lot on their bullpen. So I'm just kind of intrigued on how that will end up looking for them versus how that looks for us. Yeah, exactly. That that's that team's going to be scary. There's a, there's a lot of what is with the Mariners, but you know if, if they hit on all cylinders, they're going to be a very, very scary team. So obviously that leads into predictions, but to get to predictions, you're going to have to go over to Super Halo Bros, subscribe to their podcast, follow their podcast anywhere where you get this podcast. Over there is where we're going to be talking about predictions, under overs, all that stuff on the second part of this super all angels top plays podcast that we put that we that we <laughs> that we put the, that we put together for the the preview of the 2022 season. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the, of the preview. Um, I want to thank John and Mike and Andrew. You guys are awesome. You guys are always a lot of fun to talk to on here, and I really enjoy the time we talk. Um, you know about angels and it's always a lot of fun so make sure you go over to super halo bros podcast and make sure you get the second half of this so if you're listening to this on tuesday you're going to have to wait an extra day and if you're already on wednesday go now and get make sure you get super halo bros second half of this preview you can always reach us at halo underscore haven on Twitter and on Instagram or email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Always like interacting with you guys on the social medias and through email. So I will be back Sunday night, probably release the episode Monday morning to review the Astros series, the opening weekend series. And that just feels good to say mm-hmm. yeah. compared to what we were two months ago so right. it just feels good to say that we are going to have baseball we're going to have an opening weekend and we're going to do it against a division rival so that's fun can't wait so again recording the episode sunday night if you have any questions about the series or going anything going forward make sure you reach out and the podcast will be dropping monday morning so for all the guys here make sure you go over to super halo bros i am Dan garcia and this has been another edition of the all angels podcast CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. 